Immediately a man was nailed to the cross, he lost all his rights. And if you ever get nailed to the cross, you lose all yours too. We love ourselves so much. And who are, we, who are we talking about now? Unbelievers? No. So-called believers who have never understood what it is to take up the cross and put self to death. See, because in the last days there's going to be very little preaching about the cross and death to self-life. And so, when there's no preaching against death on death to self, self is going to flourish in the lives of many Christians. They won't even know that you cannot follow Jesus if you love yourself. I don't ask people if they're saved anymore. Who isn't saved? From the White House to the jailhouse. <clears throat> I'm asking you, is Christ, does Christ live in you? Christianity is the only religion in the world where a man's God comes and lives inside of him. Thanks be to God that when I finally acknowledge that I can't do this, it's not possible for me to live the Christian life on my own. I, I'm not called to chart my own course. I'm not called to create my own destiny and ask God to bless it. I'm called to follow Him. I'm called to give up the rights to my life and walk with the Holy Savior. I'm called to let His mind be formed in me. His life become my life. His ways become my ways. His purpose become my purpose. His plan become my plan. And then the power of God will come upon me. And that kicks off today's broadcast, if I dare call it that. It's Tom Richardson with the Removing Confusion Podcast. And we are going to look at some interesting stuff here today on December the 5th, 2022, which happens to be my wife's birthday. So if you know her, Send her a happy birthday on the Facebook or whatever you use. <clears throat> it's always nice to have somebody acknowledge you on your big day, you know. And some of us would rather forget those days just as quick as we remember them. But, you know, it's a, it's still, it's, it's just nice. We're, um, you know, there's, there's a, a plethora of things that we can look at. And, you know, we, we just went through, if you followed along with us, you know, we went through the, the entire book of first Peter. It was pretty much a verse by verse, line on line type of a deal. And that's, that's, that's a really good way to study and immerse yourself in scriptures and, you know, learn things as you go along. Cause we, we're here to learn more about Jesus. We're here to learn more about the God that we serve. And if we don't look in our Bible once in a while, we're not going to learn it. You know, you can go to men and, you know, I, I appreciate you if you're here listening to me, but I, you also have to have your own personal time as well. I, I, I pray that whatever I do here can also maybe add a little, 
uh, sustenance to what we, we study on our own. You know, I have my favorite fellows that I listen to to kind of shore me up and, uh, and keep me flowing in the right direction. But today, I'm not going to do a verse-by-verse study in any particular fashion like we did last few weeks. Today, you know, things come to you. You know, you're, you're like, it has to be God speaking to you in your spirit, you know, that, that kind of nudges you in different directions. Now, on a piece of legal pad, I went through and I, I pulled up, you know, again, I, I used a blue letter Bible on the internet. I pulled up three different things. One was the fear of God the will of God and walk with God or walking with God and the things that kind of correlate to those. When you get right into it, we're going to look at today that I've picked out of the three, the will of God, because we hear so often people say, well, it's God's will. And you're like, well, what is God's will? You know, or, you know, you have to do the will of God. Now, the ultra-Calvinists, and I have some friends that are, and they'll probably, I don't even think they listen to me. You know, that's how close a friend they can be because you aren't spouting the, the ultra-Calvinist, staunch Calvinist uh, theorem, then I'm going to stick with J.D. Greer or, or John MacArthur or whoever. And, you know, when you listen to some of those guys that say, well, you know, maybe we should think about homosexuality in the church and maybe we shouldn't be so anti-gay. Or, you know, you can take the mark of the beast and still be redeemed, even though Revelation 13 says that is what will happen. And Revelation 14 says those that take it are doomed. Period. No redemption. Whatever it is, you've stepped across the line. Not only is it the taking of, I'm, I'm going off on a tangent, but not only is it the taking of the mark of the beast, but is the worshiping of him, the beast or the antichrist, whatever, however you want to put it. So there's a worship thing there as well. So you won't, you know, there for the longest time all the shots you know the vaccination that's going to be the mark of the beast that's got to, that's it i believe that everything they do is a lead up to things it's it's a softening of people's brains to get them to comply and you know we're supposed to uh pray for our leaderships you know our it says pray for kings and and whatnot to so that you can live peacefully you know, and it, it, you know, we in Romans thirteen says to you know go along with what the governor says and all this kind of stuff, but when it steps across the boundaries of being against scriptural common sense, no, I don't have to do it. When it's something you're going to inject into me, my body, I should have a say in that, and I do, and I didn't, and I won't. Period. Now, I'm not getting on my anti-COVID vaccination platform. That's not what we're here for anymore. We It comes up when it needs to. I still say be very cautious about what you do. 
a lot of people are dead. And it's got a new name. Uh, We've all heard of SIDS, Sudden Infant Death Syndrome, where they called it crib death, which is really kind of a hair-raising idea. Now you have SADS, Sudden Adult Death Syndrome. There's There's a new video out. That I have not watched. I've seen the trailer. I, I don't pay for much, you know, because anymore I, I spend a lot of time in the old evangelists. And I, I, they're in my opening, you know, uh, Leonard Ravenhill and Dave Wilkerson and, you know, even some of the Baptist guys that, that are out there. I hear enough of them in my church. I don't usually go much further than that, but. Uh, there's there's a there's just so many of the old fellows out there that you can listen to that had that fire and brimstone they called it that that I just call it the Holy Ghost fire within them. It wasn't about babbling off in tongues and losing your cool on stage like some play to do, but they they just brought a message that if you you know I have a friend of mine say there was a guy that she knew that if you weren't saved when he preached, you would be. And that's that's real preaching. That's real evangelistic or evangelism preaching. That is what we need more than anything in the United States. I'm going to just say the United States today. Many other countries already have it. The ones that we would least expect to have it have men who have gone in and are not afraid of the government. They're not afraid of being... Uh, getting a haircut right about at their neckline they just go in and they tell the truth and thousands of people are being saved in a lot of the communist countries but we only focus on one communist country today and that's russia and they're not even communist anymore really i mean they still have that stigma about them but just the other day the President Vladimir Putin, my friend Mike sent me a thing. He's talking uh, about passing, or he passed a law against sodomy or sodomites and their marriages and whatnot. They're very anti-sodomite up that way in Russia. Where down here, it's like we want to turn our kids into things that they don't need to be. People, what is wrong with parents? who have a little boy, we'll just say little Johnny, and you got little Susie, you can look at them. You change their diapers. You know what they are. When they come and say, I'm not me. No, you are. Forget whatever your teacher's telling you or the voices in your head. You're born one sex, one or the other, I should say. Male or female, he created them, period. That's the marriage, man and a woman, period. They, they come together to f- be fruitful and multiply. And I know some folks that have been very fruitful, and they have very much multiplied. You know, some people have six, seven, eight, nine, ten, twelve kids. I mean, I don't, I don't know how they do it. I heard a guy say one time, he went to visit some people. He was a, he's a pastor of a church. He went to visit some people and, and, you know, there was known that they had 15 children 
And he said, you know, you, you would think when you get there, it's mayhem, you know, it's, or the, the old, it's bedlam, my friend, it's bedlam. That the parents would be beside themselves. But he said they sat there in the calm of it all. And they had the older kids that would help take care of the younger kids. That is a way a family works together. And that's not even in the notes for today. We're talking about the will of God, right? Uh, And, you know, so much Christianese has been used over the many, many, many years. Mostly today, and I, I pick on those Calvinist fellows, and I don't mean that, Fred, so if you're listening, which I doubt you are, you understand, I love you like a brother. But listen to me. The will of God needs to be more understood in our lives. It needs to be something that people can say, oh, now I get it. The Bible actually says what the will of God is. Well, first of all, you know, it, you have to be a, a Bible scholar in your own right, at, at your own pace, at your own as your own pace and distance, like they used to tell us in the army, you know, you can do it the the best you know how. But you know, some people say, "Well, the will of God is just for me to you know do the will of God." Well, still, what where does it break down? How do you get to where you understand that <laughs> what it really means? I'm going to start today in First Thessalonians chapter 4 first thessalonians chapter 4 now most people say, oh good he's gonna talk about the rapture today no i'm not i don't think that's what the will of god is for me today uh because that is where you find those those favorite famous verses of the horn will blow and the dead will rise it's an awesome thing to think about isn't it to, to, to be taken away from all this pain and suffering in the, in the blowing of a horn and leave everybody else back here to deal with it. But that's not where we're going. Today, we're going to look at the will of God. And what does God say to us about it? If you're listening along and you're reading along, However you plan to do it today, flip over there to that First Thessalonians chapter 4 and pick up with me at verse number 3. This is a, this is a verse you don't hear too much. You know, really, I, I don't hear it preached on hardly at all. So it's a good thing to do. I'm, maybe, I'm sure as soon as I say that, there's going to be people all over the place. Oh, yeah, my preacher did, or my son did, or my grand did. Anyway. For this is the will of God, verse 3 says in 1 Thessalonians 4, for this is the will of God, comma, even your sanctification, comma, that ye should abstain from fornication. Oh, no, the sex thing comes up again. What is up with Paul and this sex thing? You know what? I sat here as before because I had to wait. My computer doesn't like me anymore. It's old and, you know, it's old. In, in computer years, it's probably 300. So it, it sometimes I have to shut it down, bring it back up. And that gives me a chance to, you know, really focus on God and pray and, and say, Lord, you know, you're, you're good at giving me 
the notes that I want to follow along with and tell people. Now, if you have done some decent studying or you've listened to somebody who has, you know, um, over the years and studied along with them, there's a lot we can draw from this very verse, this first one that we're looking at. For this is the will of God, comma, even your sanctification. And I, I've come to find that many times, like I said before, when I see a comma and the words between that comma have a specific place for me to make a breakdown or an outline. And in this one, you know, even your sanctification now, your sanctification, that's a big fancy Bible word, right? It's in the Bible. It's not just a theological made-up thing. It's, you know, the proper cleansing of our lives before God. You know, that we, knowing that there are so many things prior to our salvation that, are, that were just not godly, mostly all of the things that we did before cursing drinking smoking fornicating as it says there adulterating if you did i'm sorry if you did you shouldn't have you know and it goes on and on so you're taking the dope whatever it is you know you know what it is i don't know what yours is i know what mine is pornography you know all the other things that are there and some of them carry over you know, let's, you know, just use the common vernacular after salvation. You've gone to the altar. You've said the prayer. Now, I, I, I give a lot of, I, I harp on the, the five-minute prayer and then just drop a person because I believe in discipleship past that. But we do have to have some kind of a, a, a modus operandi or whatever you want to call it to um, give people the idea you know, the Romans road, uh, you take them through the Bible and show them, you know, that all of sin and comes short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death. If you confess your sins, he is, you know, it goes on and on. And, you know, that he will, he will give you salvation. And you've received it today. That, you know, you can go through that whole thing. And, and I, I have no problem with that. Some churches believe they automatically have to be baptized, and that's your regeneration, and I don't believe that either. There's so much that goes on in Christianity that just doesn't really, it's not all in the Bible, right? It's, it's, it's there, but it's cherry-picked, and it's, it's moved around, and it's, it's overused. But here, we're going to talk about this sanctification. You know, you, you're now, you've now made that decision. I want to follow Jesus. I want to be a part of his uh, holy kingdom. I want to do what he wants me to do, but I don't know what it is because that's the will of God as well, that you'll follow Jesus. But he says, even your sanctification, you you. You know, now, if you, and some people, maybe they don't know. I know people that have claimed that they're saved, and, and even many, many years, decades even after the fact, they're still, have, they're struggling. They can't understand when they read the Bible. They're like, I don't understand any of that stuff. I just can't get, because first of all, I don't know if they ever got truly saved. It's not, that's not for me to say, but it's between them and God. But have you been indwelt with the Holy Ghost? 
now you got the the charismatics and Pentecostals, and I'm 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 mildly, very mildly Pentecostal because I feel the power of God and the will of God and the spirit of God that drives me to preach the way I do, to sing and play my guitar and go out and try to you know, be a blessing to people, all those things. I don't do them because, hey, I don't have anything better to do. I could go fishing, right? I could ride my bike. I could do whatever I want. But no, I, I take that time out. And I don't look at it as being a whip across my back. I just enjoy doing it because it's furthering what God wants done. And, you know, you have to, you have to, Take the time. And, you know, you don't realize how much time we waste on frivolous, frivolous, frivolous things that we could, you know, just take an hour of it. Take an hour away from the TV. Take an hour away from radio. Take three hours away from Alex Jones. Whatever it is you're playing with. There is so much news out there that is just not worth knowing. You know, when you when Adam and Eve ate from the tree of knowledge, I'm sure the the automatic amount of knowledge that flowed into them of, of what God really didn't want them to know and has carried on ever since. It's like a friend of mine, Bill Randalls, used to say, there is stuff I know now that I just wish I never knew. I wish I'd have never heard it. God bless him and rest his soul. And many other men I've heard say that. Same thing. You know, there's, there's, there's things, you know, as a Christian pastor, or as I, I am, I just say minister, I'm not a pastor, but as a Christian minister, I must say, I wish I never heard that dirty joke. I wish I'd never seen that dirty uh, movie or that horrible film or that, that true uh, newscast of bodies scattered everywhere you know you just wish you hadn't seen it you wish you could take it out of your mind but you can't because the knowledge is there the knowledge of not only the bad but or the good but the bad so we have to divorce ourselves from certain amounts of that and start to replace it with the good that's sanctification god through the holy ghost works with you to get you there you know i I just I'm sitting here with the microphone in front of me and headphones on, so I don't hear a lot what's going on around me. And, you know, the Bible says we don't have a spirit of fear but of love and power to sound mind. Uh, my crazy dog came up the steps, and he hits the last three, and it's like, and I'm, I about jumped out of my hair because I was so into what I was doing here. You know, and I just, he's something else. He's my buddy. I got two of them. They're both, they're both dear to me. But anyway, uh, I just kind of had a shiver run up my back from that, you know, and I'm like, I'm not supposed to be afraid of nothing. That's the will of God, too. Don't be afraid. Fret not. Fear not. Worry not. Whatever. Don't be anxious. All those other things. And then, you know, you see a snake and you jump out of your skin. But anyway, even your sanctification. Look, we work at this. And God works with us. But we have to ask him into that, too. You know, sometimes you want to do it all on your own. And sometimes you think that's how you're doing it, but you're not. If you're 
deeply engrossed in God's word, if you're deep into your prayer life, which you should be, and especially in this day and age, he's actually doing the job. But you ask him, Lord, you, I have this problem. Whatever the problem may be, and I cannot beat it. I know people that claim to be Christians. They smoked for 50 years afterwards or something. They know it better. They, well, it's smoking. It's not, it's not in the Bible. Well, it's not. But it also says, you know, to maintain that temple that, that is of the Holy Ghost. You don't want to be sucking air, smoke-filled air into his face all day long either, do you? I'm not picking on smokers. There's a lot of people that drink after their uh, conversion. And it says to be sober. Be ye sober-minded. Be sober. Be vigilant. For your adversary, the devil, walketh around, seeking whom he may devour. You know who he's... I told you before, and I'll say it again because I love it. He devours the ones that are at the end of the pack, the weak ones, the ones that aren't moving very fast, just like the lions do to the wildebeests and whatever else, the gazelles that they chase down. They don't go after the guy up front and try to run down the the fast one because they'll wear themselves out. Those gazelles can run, buddy. You watch them. Watch the nature program. They know how to get going, and they, they can zig and they can zag. The, the lions can too, but they're a little bit bigger, a little bit heavier. They're powerful, but they also know if I knock that guy down in the back, I've got him. If you read about the Amalekites in the Old Testament, that's what they did. I think it was the Amalekites. I believe it was the Amalekites. God had a special dislike for them. Because when the Israelites came out of Egypt and were going across the desert for 40 years, I made a little sideways crack about that the other day. That uh, You know, they took a 40-year walk that should have only been 11 days or so. But that's because they got out of the will of God. God was doing everything for them. He was showing them how powerful he was. And he can show you just as much power. But those Amalekites would come in and they'd whack off those old people at the back of the line. Just take them out. Take out the young and the old and the, the ones that, that were you know slower maybe. And they were killing them. And God looked at that and said, okay, your day's coming. For I am God and I am all powerful. And you are but men. You think you're something, but one of these days, I'm going to use those same people, and we're going to show you something. And, you know, of course, they, they messed that up somehow too, but they did get there, as they say. But that's, you know, the I, wow, I'm going to keep on track. The sanctification, you know, of allowing God because of the power. Listen to me. I keep hammering this. I don't know why, but it's it's got to be that the Holy Spirit, is pushing me in this direction. We have forgotten the power of God. We think it's all about us now. You know, and people start, you know, if I talk about the power of God, then 
the uh, the the mainliners, you know, the Baptist, Methodist, Presbyterians, they, oh, he's a Pentecost. Don't listen to him. He's one of those crazy charismatics. Oh, it's all about power, of God. You know, we we don't we don't function in that anymore. Cessation of all the gifts and all that. I'm not even talking about that. I'm talking about the fact that we still serve the same God. What does it say in Hebrews uh, thirteen? I believe. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. I think it's in Malachi chapter 3 as well. It says, I am the God of the same now as ever. You can't discount the power of God in your life. Even in your sanctification, when he's cleaning you up and, and bringing you closer and closer to what comes next. You've already had justification. You know, there's a, there's a, the Cation triplets. Justification, sanctification, glorification. And justification is at your salvation. You, you were given justice or mercy in that justice when you deserved pure justice. And then you go into the sanctification stage of where the just one, Jesus, God, cleans you up shows you he and if you allow him he's going to show you those words that are coming out of your mouth they shouldn't be whether they're curse words or they're they're words that knock down a brother god really doesn't like that either and we're all guilty of it i don't care who you are you do the same things we're all human and we have that that slippage every once in a while where we do what we should not and say what we should not but god the holy spirit whom lives within you is not going to let you off scot-free when you step across the boundaries that god has placed there for us to follow guess what you're going to feel something as a again pentecostal word check in my spirit which just simply means conviction. You pray constantly for that conviction to stay when you're getting ready to willfully sin. We're going to talk about that in just a bit. So anyway, your sanctification that ye should abstain from fornication. Now, Everybody, oh, my goodness, it's the sex thing, Paul and the sex thing. He talks a lot about sex. He talks about it because that is the strongest pull in the human body is, you know, and and I'll say with men, you know, get your eyes back in your head as much as you can. It's hard these days. Women, you know, well, they look good. you're, you're, You're a man, and you're just drawn to certain things, but try not to be drawn to you to you know when you're walking through the store and you see something tantalizing i'm trying to be as coy as i can here don't turn your head because that's what you know when when she walks by your your head just cut you know like the old commercials used to be you say god i don't want to don't don't let me and you know what that's the holy spirit too and you have to plant these things in your head you know a man cleaves to his wife to all other things he is blind through all other people he is off limits and they are as well that's the way it's supposed to be 
that needs to be preached more. That needs to be pushed out more in the Christian church. That way in the Christian church, it won't be an equal or more divorces than there are in the world because there, it shouldn't be. We should be married once and that's it unless there's a death involved. And some folks, it's, you know, even after a death, they, they have no desire to go on with anyone else. And that's up to them. <clears throat> so we've covered sanctification pretty good, haven't we? <laughs> live that life. Live that Christian life to the best of your ability. And, and again, I, I guess I hadn't. I'm looking at my notes. I got back on them. Deny yourself. I, I've been using this term, and again, Holy Ghost inspired. You have to get to the end of yourself, and then you realize, I need Jesus. You need to get to that point where it's not about me, where I realize I'm not the one that's in charge. I'm not the one that can do it all. I can't do any of it without the help and the power of God with me. And, you know, it says in the Bible, Jesus used it. Deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. He told that to the rich young ruler. Really, it's uh, that Matthew 18, I believe, in there somewhere. <clears throat> Mark 10, 21. Jesus, beholding him, loved him and said unto him, One thing thou lackest. Go thy way, sell whatever you have or hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, comma. And that's a period, sorry, period. No, that is a comma, sorry. My eyes are not good. Semicolon, which means kind of bloop, stop right there at the treasure of heaven, and come, take up the cross, and follow me. Now, Jesus, when he was dealing with this guy, you know, he threw some commandments at him. Mark 10, 19. Thou knowest the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Whoa, Jesus even said adultery first in this instance, didn't he? Do not commit adultery. Do not kill. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Defraud not. Honor thy father and mother. And the guy says, I, I did all those. And Jesus said, well, you'll go, go sell stuff. Everything. Sell everything you got. Come and follow me. Take up your cross. Or take up the cross. You know, that meant a lot back then. Now it's just something that we hang around our necks. I don't wear one myself. I've got a few, but I don't wear them anymore. But the, 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 it, it's, it's a symbol, and there's nothing wrong with it. But, you know, that's, that's what it's become something to look at the golden cross the whatever it's made out of wood and thread and whatever you you play with it however you want to it doesn't mean to us what it meant them to them they looked at that cross and it was a it was a putrefying thing it was you know when a man died on a cross it was not pretty some of them hung there until there was nothing left can you imagine the stink in that area? Now, Jesus didn't. They didn't break any bones. He was whipped badly, beaten badly, and then hung there by his hands and his feet, or his, through his uh, wrists probably, nailed to the cross. 
but you know he wasn't attacked by buzzards like many would be or even have dogs i mean this is just a nasty way to die so when somebody says to you take up the cross you're like no uh-uh i want no part of that we don't have any idea we have, we, we have capital punishment in some places here yet but most of it is fairly humane you know there was the electric chair sometimes that got out of hand but you know now it's just you inject them with a bunch of drugs and they die you die none of wet less but you didn't die over periods of days in agony. That's what Jesus told that man. If you want to be in the will of God, if you want to be able to follow me, if you want eternal life, he said, you've got to get rid of everything you have. You've got to come to the end of yourself, my friend. Take up the cross. When you took up the cross, like it says in my opening with Leonard Ravenhill says, when a man was nailed to the cross, he had no rights. They were gone. He was under the, the power of someone else. You take up that cross, you aren't either. You've just decided to follow Jesus. No matter where he leads you and no matter how it happens, all right, let's get on this uh, talk of fornication, or I'll use adultery even. But it's also, uh, you can look at that as covetousness or, or lusting and wanting to go after other things that they aren't yours or you're so uh, enraptured in that one thing. But there's a physical and there's a spiritual type of the fornication if you look in the old testament god tells often on often about you know abstaining from fornication with other gods little g's he he talked about israel how they would be going after these strange gods that, that were of the nations around them the heathens the gentiles whatever he said they were they were whoring whoring after them, committing adultery, and et cetera, with other gods. They, they turned their back on the God that brought them through the Red Sea, that, that cleared up the water at Mirabah, the God that when, when Moses hit the, hit the rock, it gushed out enough water to, to water a million people and their animals. It wasn't a trickle of water coming out of there, folks. That would be like a river out of nowhere in the middle of a desert, in the middle of the wilderness. They saw this happen. They were fed every day with, with manna from heaven. But yet when they got their chance, they decided, let's have some fun with these other gods, and our God won't care. Whoops. I think he cared much because they paid a price. They paid a price many times. They ended up in, how many times they ended up going into captivity with all these ruthless people like the Syrians and the uh, Romans, you know, the, all of them. You know, they, they, the, the Babylonians. You know, things didn't go so nice and easy and fun in those places. But there's that, element i say of spiritual 
fornication. There's the physical. You know what that is. I don't have to go into that. I don't have to go into that and prove it out. We all are grown-ups, I would imagine, most of us. If you're not, please ask your mom and dad. And I pray that there's some young folks listening. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm praying for God to use this podcast to reach more people. Not because I want more hits. I could care less. I'm doing this because I have to. It wells up inside me to the point where I have to let it out. And if this is the only platform I have, I'm going to use it. <clears throat> Much of what the church, and I put that in scare quotes in my notes, you know, with the old, you know, air quote, scare quote, whatever. Much of what calls itself the church, because a lot of it is not. They're just playing church. They've slipped a step. You know, they've, they've, they've slipped it. They're, they're more in the world than they are in the church. They're more in the world than they are in the Bible. They're not training up disciples. Because see, what disciples do, my friends, is they go out. They go out and they find more people to convert or to bring to Jesus. However, you know, conversion's not a bad term. Jesus used it. Told Peter, when thou art converted, strengthen your brethren after he fell, after he denied Jesus. But here's the thing. Disciples disciple as well. You become a good disciple. Now, you don't do it the first day you get saved. I mean, you can because there's a lot of zeal in, the, in a new convert and a new, uh, a new uh, follower. But there's zeal, but they don't have the knowledge. And that's up to us that know and have studied and have been in the faith for a while to help them. We can help them in that sanctification that we just talked about. In verse number four, imagine how I finally got there. Every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor. That's a problem, is that you should know, Paul says, that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification in honor. Every one of you should have been listening to me when I was there with you. Every one of you should be listening to Timothy or Theopolis or, or all the other, Epaphras, all these guys that, that Paul left in charge of these churches or, or sent them to, to, to teach and preach after he left. He was with Thessalonians for three weeks, and he went through all this stuff in three weeks. That's, you find that in book of Acts that says how many days he spent there. And he took them clear up through the end times, you know, because he keeps saying, remember when I was with you, I said. But if we're not training disciples, we're just fattening up our congregation by how many people are in the pews. You know, the thing of it is, is as a, you train people to be disciples, then they go out and they want they want to bring more in. They want to see their loved ones saved. They'll talk to just about anybody. I don't care if you go out there and stand on a bucket on a street corner and start preaching. They'll have that fire. 
They won't just look forward to coming back to church on Sunday next morning or, you know, the next Sunday morning. They'll look forward to how many people along the week that they've touched and try to bring them in because people need the Lord. So you should know how to possess your own vessel. That's you. That's your body. That's your your mind, your heart, your soul, your spirit in sanctification and honor. That sanctification is that cleansing process, that setting aside from the world. That's what sanctification really means, is it's a setting aside, being different from all the other things that are out there, getting away from the heathens and into the fold of God and honor. Honor not to you, but honor to him who saved you. Now, verse 5 has, has got, a, got a fun word in it. You know, you're, 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 you're to be able to possess your, your vessel in sanctification and honor, semicolon, it's got a colon, semicolon, verse 5, not in the lust of concupiscence, concupiscence, I can never say it right, big long word, even as the Gentiles which know not God. Not in lust of concupiscence. Now, I'll break that down. First of all, we already said everybody should know. You should know. If you've been sitting in a church for any amount of time, if your preacher's preaching the gospel, you should know what you're supposed to do, how you're supposed to act, what you're, what God is expecting from you, what the will of God is. That's what we're talking about, right? And I mean, there's more to it than this. This is just a, a brief overfly. I could spend the next all of our lives doing this. But I don't want to lose you in the boredom, because even though it's to me it's not boring. But, you know, the same thing over and over again after it's been hammered is, is, is hard to take. And it's like, well, okay, move on. You know, let's hear some prophecy or something, anything. But this look at this word, not in the lust of concupiscence, even as the Gentiles, which know not God. Now, my my little Bible I got here helps you out a little bit. I didn't have to look up concupiscence. It really just is a, a, a word that means your own personal desires, the lust of those. Now, lust is another one of those usually gets a, a thrown right into the old oh it's all about sex no it's not that's not what that all is meaning it it fairly fairly simply it can be anything that you covet anything that you're longing for and that's that's what concupiscence means a desire craving something you're just gotta have it but it's typically a desire or a craving for that which is forbidden by God. It might even be forbidden by society. Because, you know, there's a lot of things that society gets right once in a while. Sometimes they don't, but, you know, they, you know it's, it's like an evil desire. You, you're, you're consumed with it. That's what happens a lot with, with, you know, fornication and adultery and all the other things is, you know, you, you think about it 
And then you, then you, you know, it's just a flash maybe. And if you don't take that thought captive, like we talked about a while back into Christ, take your thoughts captive unto Christ. If you don't do that, if you allow it to sit there and fester, it's like a, it's like a, a wound or cut that gets infected, it starts to fester and it grows and it gets worse and worse. And that's a good way, I think, of putting it because that's not a good thing. You don't want a cut that's going to get festering. You don't want something that that gets in your system and that can kill you because I, I guarantee you, blood poisoning can come from that. In this case, it's soul poisoning. You allow these evil, wicked desires to overcome you because you didn't stand up to them through Jesus. He is going to give you the power to overcome. There's a lot of talk, especially in a book of, uh, of uh, Revelation, about those that are overcomers. We, we may have to go into that one of these days very soon because it's important. You know, you, you, uh, you have to strive. You know, it talks about running the race that's set before you and running it good, running it well. That's better. To the end. Not, not to get yourself going too fast, though. You know, slow and steady wins the race. But listen to me. We want to be overcomers. We want to be able to overcome the world because that is that is what's coming after you all the time. The world, the world system, and he who runs it, which is the devil, the God of this world, who hath blinded their eyes so that they can't see the truth. Talking about the heathens, the ones that are lost. Romans one twenty four. Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lusts of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. People who get themselves so caught up in this garbage that you know. And this you know, Paul writes to Christians. He's telling them in, in Thessalonica, you know, not to fall into the lust of this desire. This ungodly desire even as the gentiles which know not god you're not you're supposed to know better he says do you not know weren't you listening when i was there with you for those three weeks colossians 2 or sorry colossians 3 5 mortify your members i think we talked about mortification before it's something that doesn't get talked about mortify your members which are upon the earth fornication uncleanness inordinate affection, concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. We don't want those things invading our lives, infecting our minds, because they drag us down. You can get to, a, you can reach a pinnacle. Well, you, you think about those guys in the, in the uh, 80s, I think it was, Jimmy Swagger, Jim, Jim Baker, big ministries, toppled. Never the same. I don't care what they say. They can be taking in millions of dollars today. They're not the same, not in God's eyes, not in the, not in the eyes of those of us who see them and say, uh-uh. And I've heard people say, oh, I've been around Jim Baker, and he's a changed man. Yeah, he might be, but you know what I heard again? He's, he's, he's getting himself in trouble with the tax man, I think. 
Mark, Mark 6.32, For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. You know, he's talking about daily bread and all that kind of thing. We, God knows what you need. Lean back on him when those things that you don't need come your way, those things that pull at you to get you to, to trip up. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind, Ephesians 4 and 17. Having the understanding dark having having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. Four eighteen, Ephesians four eighteen. You can keep going, Ephesians four. It just goes on and on about you know, not getting yourself caught up in lasciviousness and uncleanness and you know, lasciviousness, licentiousness, all the other things of greed. People get caught up in the money. The ministers that get caught up in the in how much they can make. They didn't they didn't set aside some when they were young, maybe, and they're now they they're older and they, their social security ain't gonna do it, brother. And they, 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 they look for another ministry to carry them along. <clears throat> People in the church should have a clear understanding of the will of God. We should spend more time amongst each other in small groups even if it has be we have to to stay in the faith to stay in that wonderful will of god i used a term at the beginning i think of christianese you know we have this we have our it's, it's play on Chinese, I guess, but we, we have our own language that we use and, you know, a, a new convert or a new Christian or, uh, even some of the older ones or people outside of our, of the faith have no idea what we're talking about. Uh, sanctification, justification, glorification. Those are things that we can use and you should understand by the time you've been a Christian five or six years anyway or before the will of God should be something that we hammer into people right up front. And you, know, I think the problem is people are afraid that all oh, there go. There it is. The thou shalt not don't be doing this. Don't be doing it. If you want to serve Jesus, if you want to serve God, if you want to be a part of his kingdom, you know, if you go get a job somewhere, you have to do what the boss says. If you live in a country with a king, like, you know, the old days over in Europe, they had kings. 
And when the king said something, you did it. When the king said pay, you paid. When the king said hop, you said how high. Because if you didn't with those kings, they cut your head off or worse, locked in stocks or whatever and threw rotten vegetables in your direction. Not a fun day. We have a king who, when we come under his rule, Jesus, when we come under King Jesus' rule, he doesn't expect us to uh, do anything other than promote his kingdom. And he wants us to do it with a life that reflects him. That isn't going to hurt. I mean, physically hurt you or even mentally. It's going to make you stronger. It's going to give your life meaning. You know, a lot of us walk around, I don't know what the meaning of life is. I, don't, I just don't get it. The meaning of our life is to do the will of God. To do the will of God is we have to get ourselves in the proper uh, state of sanctification and just keep working it. Keep working it. You know, you don't have to be an evangelist. You don't have to be a pastor of a church. You don't have to be a licensed, credentialed minister or preacher or whatever you want to call them. You are your own evangelist to the people that God will put in your path. I don't care if it's the checkout girl or guy at the at the local big box store or if it's your friends on the Facebook or your family or whatever. A lot of evangelistic types always like to use the words stuff like uh, pray for divine interventions. So God will put people in your in your path. So we got to, anyway, we need to make it so people can understand. And we, we as Christians amongst each other should discuss what the will of God is. Know what God's will is in our lives. And in our lives, I mean that as a collective as a congregation, as whatever whatever kind of a group that you're in Christian-wise. We all need to be on that. It's doctrine. We need to be in on the big doctrines, you know, the doctrines that say Jesus is God, the doctrines that said the Bible is an inerrant piece of, of, uh, of uh, uh, scriptures. You know, it goes on and on. Uh, you can ask, you can read up, you can look at, you can you can study it and see what Paul's doctrine were. You know, those kind of things. And those and falling in and doing those things and being in the will of God. Apply God's instructions to yourself first. That's talking to you and I that have been around a while, 20, 30 years. Jesus said, take the beam out of your eye before you try to take the speck out of your brothers. You know, don't worry about your neighbor first. Worry about you first. If you're having a, a, a trouble with, with the things that you're putting before you and you're, and you're watching or you're looking at or you're talking or you're smoking or whatever, it is, you need to get those things straightened out. Straighten you out first before you start trying to bring everybody into, into your little idea of God's perfection. You'll know when God's done. He's never done, actually, let me rephrase that. He's never done 
with the sanctification of you because we never get to the point until we die and we become glorified. But we're also quickly to say, well, it's God's will that you stop that. It's also God's will that you stop whatever you're doing. Don't think that you can do something behind the curtain over there and God doesn't see it. As we draw to the end, I hope that we've made it clear about what's God's will, at least from this 1 Thessalonians 4, 3 through 4, that we abstain from any any kind of lusting, fantasy, fornication, adultery, all those things, that, no stealing. Don't, don't, don't defraud your brother, it says. No man should go beyond to defraud his brother. This is uh, Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians 4, 6. In any manner or matter, because that is the Lord, because that the Lord is, is the avenger of all such as we also have forewarned you and testified. For God hath not called us unto uncleanness, but unto what? Holiness. That is First Thessalonians 4, 7, which also reflects back to First Peter chapter 1, I think about verse 16, 17. Be ye holy as he is holy, right? Don't we remember that? Didn't we read that? Didn't we study that? There's the will of God. To become a child of the king. Because God hasn't called you to keep sinning. You will sin. You know that. Because you have a sin nature, they say. But he didn't call us to just keep doing the things we know are wrong. To be rebellious against him just continuing to drink and cursing adulterating fornicating whatever it might be the pornography the all the other dirt and trash of the world god's called you into holiness and stick to that until the next time this is tom richardson with removing confusion stay in the faith follow jesus Made me his own, and I'm washed.